The United States men's national team kicked off 2014 with a 2-0 win over South Korea. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. As always, with me is Ivis Galarsep. What's up, buddy? Nothing much, man. Just uh, here chilling in Jersey uh, in the aftermath of the latest snowstorm. Uh, it seems like we're getting hit every other day. Uh, but the funniest part is that we just had the Super Bowl here yesterday, and the weather... As awful as it's been, it lifted for a day, and apparently the NFL has the juice to to, to clear the weather because the weather was perfect for the Super Bowl day, but then as soon as the Super Bowl was over, the the next snowstorm hit. That's conspiracy, man. That just shows that the government controls the weather. It's it's uh, that or it's a a plot. It's like a plot of of the X-Men, I'm pretty sure, that one of those movies where there's like that that X-Men who can control the weather. Oh, uh, Storm. Come on, you know who oh, that is. Stop acting I, like you don't I, know who that I, is. Honestly, I don't remember the name of the character, but I figured I, I figured you would know. Played by Halle Berry. Very nice. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah that was yeah, her. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, 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 was, it was pretty cool, though, man. I mean, the Super Bowl, you know, I didn't. I, I, I watched some of it. I, I don't know anyone that watched the whole thing other than really happy Seattle fans. But uh, the coolest thing is, that, as I, I think I mentioned it before, you can see MetLife Stadium from my house. So I got a chance to see the a pretty sweet fireworks display at halftime uh, during the Bruno's, Bruno Mars halftime show, which I thought was great. It, it was funny seeing there were there were conflicting opinions about the uh, Bruno Mars performance. There were some 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 awful people who thought it was bad, and then there was the the really really people people with really good taste who thought it was great. I thought it was great. I thought it was the best halftime performance I've seen in recent time. I thought I didn't know what to expect, and dude, he was money. That was in the in the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like, oh god, it was it was a good halftime show. It was a good mix. It was good. The game itself was awful, unless you're a Seahawks fan. But Mm -hmm. the halftime show was great, and the and uh, the fireworks display, at least from. You know, however many miles away I am from the stadium, the fireworks display is pretty impressive, too. Oh, I can only imagine. I mean, you know, Super Bowl's going to be in Arizona next year, so I'll see those fireworks, Ivis. Are you that close to, uh, what, what is it, University of Phoenix Stadium? Well, I'm in, I'm in like, one of the like the three high-rises in downtown Phoenix, so, like, I can see the stadium from my high-rise, so. Baller! Yeah, I know. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a pretty <laughs> nice... this guy. Oh, I'm so poor. I'm so poor. Oh, wait, I live in a high-rise. No, we got a really good deal. That's That's what yeah. it was. Yeah. Dude, this is Phoenix, man. Have you been out here? You know how cheap it is out here? You're a limousine liberal. Just, just admit it. You're like super rich, but you try to play like you're poor. That is not. You should come move to the. You should come move over to the East Coast and no. go live in Brooklyn with all the other uh, want to be poor rich people. No, p- please. I work too hard to be poor. Uh, <laughs> Ivis, I guess I just admitted to it right there. All right, enough, enough chit chat between you and I. We have a jam packed show today. We always do, but today is especially jam packed. Lots to talk about. Ivis, international news. Major League Soccer, Americans Abroad, U.S. Women's National Team. But more importantly, we just mentioned it, U.S. Men's National Team kicked off 2014, the road to Brazil, with a 2-0 victory over South Korea. All right, let's not get ahead of ourselves, Ivis. But your quick, rapid reaction from this game. Did anyone disappoint you? Were, were you pleased with any performances? I mean, what did you think immediately after the match? Well, if you didn't see the game and you just saw, and you just saw the score, 2-0, you thought, oh, you know... Good game. The U.S. played really well. Uh, it it kind of it was a little bit of a mis- misleading scoreline. I mean, obviously, there there were some good for performances, and you have, you have to give Chris Wanolowski credit for finishing the two chances that he had. Uh, but overall, there were I, I feel like there were just as many question marks coming out of the game as there were positives. So, from that standpoint, you know you, you can't take as I said as I said in the last episode, 
you can't get too crazy about these games. But mm-hmm. as I wrote in my in my goal dot com column reaction column after the game, what you can do is look at it in the in the context of trends. And if you see certain certain things that come out of a game like that, and they're part of a trend, then yes, you want to give that a little more weight. And we had a lot of these trends continue in this game. Uh, you know, from a from a positive standpoint, Chris Wondolowski once again. Mm-hmm finding chances, taking those chances. And, and you know, I, again, nobody's put, I'm not putting him on the, on, the, <laughs> on the plane to Brazil just yet, but he's, he's doing what he has to do to stay in the conversation. And that's a good thing. You can't knock him. If you're scoring the goals, you got to get your credit. And, you're, and he's, he's impressing. He's got to be impressing your Klinsman with that. So mm-hmm. kudos to him uh, for me, Graham Zussi. Obviously, uh, you know, he was our, he was SBI's man of the match, uh, had a hand in both goals. He was really active. He's all over the place and, and looked really comfortable in his natural uh, kind of, he can play that right wing position so well, uh, and he looked great. And uh, and then Kyle Beckerman once again another strong performance. Uh, he's had several in the past calendar year, and and I think it's at a point now where people, uh, you know, there were a lot of, as we've talked about on this show in the past. Mm-hmm. There are all these. There are a lot of people who aren't sold on Kyle Beckerman. A lot of people who don't think he should even be in the conversation for the World Cup. But I got to say, at this point, people, I, I think some of those people, or hopefully most of those people will just accept the fact that he's a solid option. He's a solid player. Uh, again, it, it's just, you know, it's just the South Korean B team, but he's done it multiple times now, Gold Cup final. He's done it enough times where he deserves his place on the depth chart where, where he is now. And where he is right now, for me, he's projecting to be on that team. So those are the positives. Mm-hmm. And obviously, there were a few negatives. Uh, your boy, Brad Evans, struggled again. Why is he my boy? Because he's from Arizona. Come on, let's be honest. If he, was, if he scored a goal, we would have led the show with, with Brad Evans. Oh, definitely. Oh, my God. If he scored a goal, it'd be Brad Evans' show for the whole entire time. Yeah, obviously. But you know what? It's I feel like the, the, the clock has struck 12 on the Brad Evans right back experiment. Mm-hmm. It's been going on for several games now where he has struggled. And, you know, it, it's just it's it's good. It's a growing concern, especially given the strength and the quality of wingers in the U.S. World Cup group. Every time you see him struggle at right back, it's a scary proposition. Uh, at the same time, at least, for, uh, it, I think people have enough of a sense that, hey, Jeff Cameron's the option. He's mm-hmm. the guy. He is, he is option A. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter what Jurgen Klinsmann says now. I'm sure he's going he's gonna to keep speaking positively about Evans. Uh, or, or, you know, he's never one to just flat out rip people. But it, the writing's on the wall there. Jeff Cameron's your choice. He's your guy. Mm-hmm. And now you have to look beyond that and, and say, who really is the next option? Is Evans even the next option? Well, especially with the uh, way Timmy Chandler's playing. You get that well, call exactly. up. Exactly. Timmy Chandler's playing really well. Uh, he's helped his team turn things around mm-hmm. now in Nuremberg. They've climbed out of the relegation zone in the Bundesliga. Uh, and then, obviously, Michael Parkhurst. Michael Parkhurst is in the picture. Uh, he played really well at left back against South Korea. But he's going to the Columbus crew. He's going to be playing regularly. He's he's pretty. He's going to be more of a center back for the crew. But, uh, you know, the reports are, 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 you know, the word out there is that uh, Greg Berhalter will give Parker some games at right back. And if he's playing regularly, which he should, Parker absolutely is a better right back option than Brad Evans. And, and, and this isn't to pile on Brad Evans. You know, give him credit. He did well in, in 2013 in qualifying. He put in some really good performances. But it, it always felt like a stopgap measure. And now that you have a situation where Jeff Cameron's really come into his own, Michael per- Parkhurst has moved into a situation where he's going to get playing time. Timmy Chandler is finding his form. Eric Lee High's playing really well at Nottingham Forest. Mm-hmm. You've got more options. And so there's nothing wrong with, 
you know, going looking elsewhere now. You don't have to be tied to this Brad uh, Brad Evans experiment. And I think I think it's things about that time to to make a change there. And in, in, in all credit to Brad Evans, I mean, he's done a fabulous job at right back filling in right there. But but that's how sports works, Ivis. I mean, we've seen this in years past. I mean, imagine a guy like Connor Casey. I mean, he scored a couple big goals for the U.S. Men's National Team. Didn't go to South Africa. So we're going to see that. You, you, you mentioned a lot of names. Re- really quickly, I, I agree with you on, on, on Chris Wondolowski. I thought he was fabulous. I mean, the two goals scored were, were unbelievable. But I think what impressed me the most was his movement, which we really didn't see much of that out of I mean, certain guys. I mean, especially a guy like Mixed Discrude, which we'll talk about. Um, but, but quickly, going back, actually, I want to say one thing about Chris Wondolowski, Ivis. Think about this. Eight goals in seven months for the U.S. Men's National Team. How could you, right. how could you ignore that? Well, no one's ignoring <laughs> it, but you also can't ignore the opponents that he's. I know it's it's forward. Guatemala, Belize, Cuba, and South Korea, and South Korea B team. So exactly, I mean, yeah, from that, that standpoint, you always have to look. You always have to put things in context, and uh, you know, talking about mixed discrude. It's funny we talked about him last show, mm-hmm. and and I said it then, and I'm standing by. Uh, this game was not going to make or break him. He'd had what I would say is, and I wrote about him in, in my column uh, over the weekend, and, and I think I need to make it clear that. You know, I, I wasn't saying this group had a bad game. But mm-hmm. This was really a, sh- a chance for him to shine. And, and you, you said this last year that, that this should be a game where he can really yeah. stand out. And, and he didn't really stand out. He, you know, I watched the game over uh, this morning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he had some really good moments early on in the game, some good tackles. He made some, some good mm-hmm. long passes, you know, threaded a few passes. But he kind of faded. Oh yeah! Uh, after that first strong start, and he just faded out of the picture. And, and the thing is, you know, I've heard I've heard all sorts of excuses about that. About you know, well, the defense was playing playing long balls and bypassing the midfield, and 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 it kind of neutralizes <laughs> neutralize his effectiveness. But listen, Kyle Beckerman was was a, was a, com- a force in the middle, you know. So he if he wasn't affected by that, and he was able to you know have his pretty high stats as far as possession, and his, you know I think he had fifty he had fifty percent more. More touches, more passes than 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 Discarude. So that tells you right there, from a work rate standpoint, uh, Beckerman was getting more done than than Discarude. So it, it, it's this isn't a game that's gonna drop Discarude out of the out of the pecking order or out of the conversation for the World Cup. But it is a missed opportunity for him to really state a case that, hey, maybe I should be in consideration for a starting role. And mm-hmm. I think at this point, it, it, he's looking more and more like a substitute option. Uh, someone who could play in a game when you know in the World Cup. Remember the games are you're talking three games in in like eight seven days and 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 there's there's a lot of turnover. You can have cards. Lord knows with Jermaine Jones, you can, you can always end up having multiple yellow card situations. Uh, maybe he can get a start, but any idea that that he's going to become option one, I think is 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 probably you know got, passed him by. Well, and I think that's the disappointing thing about mixed discrude. I mean because. I mean, you're right. I mean, I think he's. I thought he started off brilliantly for the U.S. Men's National Team, but I mean, he had two sloppy touches inside the box, which which should have been goals. A world class player would finish that. He should have finished both opportunities. And you're right. He did fade as the game went on. And the thing that really made it worse, Ivis, was the fact that he faded. Is that then he left Omar Gonzalez and Matt Beasler. Uh, he let them out to dry. Way too many touches between the two. Lots of errant passes. He didn't see Mix re-drop down or, or join in in. In, in different channels or, or try to move the ball around a little more until later in the match. I, it was just, I, I was disappointed, man. I mean, he started well, off well, but it was just not, he just not finished strong. Well, one thing I would say, and just watching the game over again, is that I, I you get the sense, as, as I watched it anyway, mm-hmm. uh, the second time, I got I, you almost got a sense that, that, that Klinsman had put out a mandate that, listen, we want to get 
our center backs more touches. We want to get them more involved. We want to put them in positions to have to make decisions. And, and in a game like this, you can kind of do something like that. You know, you can kind of put pressure on your guys. And when you think about Klinsman, as important as it is for him to get his center backs experience, uh, you could see maybe that being the message. Because I saw several situations mm-hmm. where, whether it was Beckerman, whether it, whether it was Discarude, or other midfielders that, there would be situations where they pass the ball to Gonzalez when he wasn't the best option, when you could have gone forward much more easily. But it seemed like they were forcing the ball to Omar Gonzalez to get him more involved, to to see what he could do. And, and, and to, you know, he, he put some good passes out there, but he also put some bad passes yeah, out there. Yeah, he did not. His passing um, was, was okay at times. Is up and down, up and down. And Beesler, surprisingly, his passing actually, I thought, was was poor for him because he, 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 he set such a high standard normally that he did have some turnovers there. Um, but that's the thing that we don't know. We don't know what, mm-hmm. what the, the, you know, the script was for Klinsman. We don't know if Klinsman put, put a mandate out to his midfield. Hey, when you can get the ball to Gonzalez, get the ball to Beesler, let them dictate things from the back, build it from the back. So, you know, in, in that instance, you have to kind of look at those things and say, okay, maybe it isn't a case of discrude choosing to go that route on his own. Maybe, mm-hmm. th- maybe those were the instructions, but just based on what we do know and what we saw, it wasn't a great game for Discrude. It was an okay game. He needs to do much better. And if he gets a chance in March, if he gets a start, uh, which is entirely possible because we don't know if Klinsman's going to call an all-European-based team, which he, he definitely could. When you think about it, that, that game against Ukraine is on Wednesday before the start of the MLS season. So, you know, is he going to call – I mean, we know he's done it in the past, call MLS guys in, in the middle of the season, but – are you going to call these guys in right before the first game of the season? So, you know, I, I'm curious to see that. If he doesn't mm-hmm. call in the MLS guys, then maybe Discord will get another chance, and 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 he definitely has to make more, uh, take more advantage next time. Uh, yeah, you know, I actually I kind of agree with you on that. I, I definitely could see the fact that maybe having the center backs take a little more touches. It was just very interesting to see because we're so used to a guy like Michael Bradley dictating the attack, building up from the back, getting it outside. Um. As far as some other guys go, Ivis, uh, you mentioned we mentioned a lot of guys, but uh, some other major leagues. Actually, they all played in major league soccer, but uh, I, mean, I think Nick Armando solidified it as he's the for sure number three. He made some excellent saves in the game, but some other guys, some fringe guys, Brad Davis, Clarence Goodson. What, what did you think of their performances? I don't think Davis did well. I, I thought I thought he was very active. I know he was all over the field, but he had a few really really bad turnovers in bad spots that you just can't you just can't have. Mm-hmm. And he put he put the defense in really tough situations on multiple occasions, and that, and that's just the kind of stuff that can kill a team, especially in the World Cup against the type of opponents that they're going to face. You can't have that. So I think I think he hurt himself a bit. Although for me, he wasn't really in the twenty three yet for the World Cup, so I think he's still on the outside looking in. As much as there's a lot made of the fact that he's a specialist, he's left footed, gives you great service on the left. That's all well and good. But if the guy if, if the guy can't be trusted to avoid these kind of costly turnovers, you can't have it. You can't have him on there. He, that's a lie. He's a liability. Um, Clarence Goodson, you know, for for the minutes that he played, he did well. He actually had he had as many clearances in his in his substitutes appearances Matt Beesler had in his in his minutes as a starter, and he only had one one fewer than Omar Gonzalez. So so Goodson was was pretty active. But you know, for right now, I think he's still kind of the third guy for now. He's still behind Beesler and Gonzalez. I don't think that's changed uh, off of this game. And I don't think, I don't think it will change. Uh, and, you know, maybe come May, uh, depending on how guys are looking, how, you know, who's healthy and whatnot, he, he can maybe move up. But for right now, he's still the third option. Uh, and, and just, you know, going around the, the rest of that lineup, uh, Michael Parker. So you have mm-hmm. to give him credit. The guy, I mean, he's not a left back. 
He's only played he's played a few games at left back for the US before, but I thought he played really well. I thought he, he I thought he defended well. I thought he picked his spots well to get forward, passed it okay out of the back. Obviously he didn't cross the ball uh with his left foot, but you know, at least as far as trying to get involved in the attack and defend, he did he did well. And and when you for all the times we've seen Edgar Castillo just be absolutely awful as as a defender, mm-hmm. uh it, it, anyone else that goes there is gonna look pretty good by comparison. Uh, what about the young bucks? Louis Gill, DeAndre Edlin. DeAndre Edlin, yeah. he didn't have any crazy hair. I was disappointed. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, you know what? Yeah, I, I give him a little credit for that. He you looked know? clean, he, though. He, he did look good. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, that was his, that was actually his, his look, like, prior to MLS and when he was in college, when he first went to Akron. You know, that mm-hmm. was his original look. Uh, but, you know, it, not enough minutes to say. I mean, obviously, you know, Gill had some nice touches. Yedlin was pretty active in the minutes that he got, but... You can't take anything really away from those from, from those performances. Um, it just wasn't enough playing time there. I would say it's definitely unfortunate that Mike McGee uh, had food poisoning mm-hmm. and wasn't able to play. Uh, that's obviously a big blow for him because I think this would have definitely been a game for him to get involved, uh, come in as a sub, and, and have a chance to show what he can do. And uh, I think he's a player that if the U.S. manages to get that April friendly uh, finalized, there, there's there have been reports about a potential April friendly between the U.S. and Mexico. It won't be on a FIFA fixture date, but that won't mean it won't be a good matchup because when you think about it, <laughs> Mexico and the U.S. Yeah. are both are both uh, teams that are employing quite a few domestic players now. So it, it, obviously, if, if Mexico is going to play in that friendly, uh, Liga MX is going to you know work it out. So they're, the Liga MX players are playing in mm-hmm. that game. So it's going to be a good test for both sides because you know at this point, an all MLS team with some with some Michael Liga Bradley, player, Landon Donovan, right, right. Dempsey, Dempsey, yeah, it'd be great. Beesler, Gonzalez, Romando, those guys. Plus, you sprinkle in some players from Liga MX: Hercules Gomez, uh, Edgar Castillo. Uh, Paul Ariola potentially. You know, oh, he got his first, he, Paul Ariola. Hey, Paul Ariola got his first start for uh, of the Clausura for for Club Tijuana. If he starts to play well uh, in that April friendly comes around, maybe he gets a look. But the point <laughs> is, there is going to be that opportunity. You'd like to think for MLS players, so you know uh, maybe that's going to be a chance for someone, say like Brad Davis, to have you know a chance to kind of make up for what happened in this game. And U.S. soccer has also been in discussions, Ivis, uh, about some other matches. Reports are coming out that the U.S. men's national team will hope, will play three matches before they head to the World Cup. And reports are also naming that are also saying, excuse me, that Nigeria might be that third opponent. And I think this makes everyone happy: the fact that the U.S. men's national team is playing an African team, seeing that as we're going to play Ghana. For you, though, I mean, does this? Would this help? I mean, does this provide immense help for the U.S. men's national team playing an African side? Well, obviously it does. I mean, I think that's what all the teams in the World Cup look for. They look for matchups with opponents that 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 can kind of help them uh, give them a look uh, stylistically of what they're going to see. So they go for teams in their regions. You know, obviously, if you're playing an Asian team and you can get a Japan or South Korea, you want to do that. If you're going to play an African team and you can, get, you know, say you're playing Ghana, if you can get an Ivory Coast, if you can get, uh, you know. A Nigeria, then you go for that. One of the more interesting ones for me is whenever you see uh, U.S. and this has happened in past World Cups or past lead-ups to World Cups, where you'll see a, a U.S. opponent play Mexico, <laughs> play Mexico mm-hmm. because well, it's a prep for the U.S. When stylistically, it's not at all really a preparation to play the U.S. So I always find that to be a little funny. In this instance, Nigeria, great matchup. We're talking the defending African champions. Uh, you know, what you could argue whether or not Ghana is better than them, but the point is it, it's going to be a good test for, for, for the U.S. Nigeria is a tough team, good talent. Uh, so that's going to be a great test. And, and you know, playing down in Florida, 
you know, it's going to be a great matchup. So that, that's a good job by the U.S. Uh, obviously, we've seen in, in, in past World Cup cycles, the opponents have been a bit hit or miss uh, in the past. It's, from what you hear, from what I hear, you know, it's not, it hasn't always been easy to get to find good opponents to play in the lead ups uh, to these tournaments. Uh, some, you know, sometimes you get a few good, you know, you, I remember in 2002, the U.S. Got, was able to play the Netherlands. Uh, that was a really good matchup, obviously. And I think if the U.S. can get three solid opponents, mm-hmm. uh, it's great. I think it's I think that's better than playing cupcakes, playing Latvia or Venezuela, which we've seen in the past. So I think from that standpoint, it's a good starting point, Nigeria. Now we're going to wait and see who else uh, the U- uh, U.S. soccer can line up. Well, especially with Jurgen, I mean, he's shown no no shyness. And, and he's, I mean, the U.S. men's national team under his direction has been very eager to play top-quality opponents. Right. So, you know, I, I think, you know, hey, who knows? Maybe the U.S. can play Spain. Oh, I mean, Spain's <laughs> coming here, obviously. And if you're playing Portugal, you know, not, not that they're exact. They're not identical, but, it, you know, you want to play a tough European opponent. Spain's already going to be here. Why not play Spain? And, and I know people will think back to that friendly uh, <laughs> that that friendly uh, up in Boston mm-hmm. where Spain just sh- destroyed the U.S., <laughs> But uh, but you know what I think I think it's still worth a worthwhile matchup and I think the U.S. team now uh, when it comes together I, th- I think it'd be a good test so if you can get a Spain if you can get a Nigeria mm-hmm. uh, and then you know you're playing two you're already playing two European opponents um, so if you in the in the group stages so you want to get at least one tough European opponent in your in your warm up and whether it's Spain whether uh, you know whoever England Netherlands whoever, whoever it is you want to get at least one in that lead up and keeping it international ivis let's move over to the u.s women's national team they defeated canada one to zero uh on friday canadian board sinularu with the goal unfortunately canada always looking for revenge they always just get burned by sinularu yeah you know it's it, it's like a, it's a broken <laughs> record at this point uh the u.s women beating canada but look you, you know beyond that beyond canada's the, a good team beyond that right beyond the hyperbole uh, about about the the the, miss, the matchup and the u.s just having canada's number at the end of the day it's a friendly at the end of the day it's a good matchup for both teams mm-hmm. you know i think i think it benefits both teams to play each other because they're the two of the top teams in the world uh and i thought it was interesting because uh, there was a report today or i think canada actually announced uh today that uh canada is going to play the women the u.s women again in may mm-hmm. in a rematch in canada uh, and I saw some reactions, some interesting reactions to that, which were kind of like, why are they playing again? What's the point? The U.S. beats them every time. Like, find someone else and listen. You know what? The fact of the matter is there's just only a select number of really strong women's teams in the world. Canada is one of the best teams in the world. Mm-hmm. If you can play them, you play them. It makes you better. Uh, and it's it's not about it's not about keep continuing to give Canada chances to break this this winning streak, which is you know what is it a thousand games now? Okay, I'm kidding. But it's again, it's all about getting better. And mm-hmm. if you, if you have a really tough opponent right next door mm-hmm. and you can play them, then you didn't play them. Like I, I have no problem. I think it's great. Uh, just like with the U.S. Mexico thing, I know mm-hmm. people. I know some people say, well, we, we played Mexico way too many times. It's not good. It's it, it's it dilutes the rivalry. I'm like, give me a break. If you have people on the field with U.S. uniforms and Mexican uniforms, it it it, it the passion's there. It matters mm-hmm. every time, unless of course the U.S. wins in Mexico, then it doesn't matter. Meaningly, <laughs> but it, it matters. It matters, and it's a good test. And just as I said, the U.S. Mexico the the the. the 
projected U.S. Mexico friendly in April, which will probably be all domestic players or all Liga MX slash MLS players. That will be worthwhile for both sides and and U.S. women versus Canada again. Mm-hmm. It'll be a, it'll be a worthwhile matchup. So nope. I, I, no one should complain about these things. Be happy you get to see them. It's a good matchup. It's a high level matchup. So watch it, enjoy it. No, I think you're exactly right, it, especially the women's side. I, I mean, when, when we watch the, the Women's World Cup, I think outside of the you know United States, Japan, Brazil, Germany, Canada, uh, I think Sweden, there's really, after that, the drop-off is pretty big. So, Right, and, and if you think about it, right, when it comes to women's soccer, mm-hmm. aside from, now if you're a diehard, hats off to if you're a diehard women's soccer fan, mm-hmm. and you know multiple players on all the top women's national teams, you know, kudos to you if you're one of the, the select few people who have that kind of that kind of knowledge. But when you think about it for the casual fans, casual women's soccer fans, the casual U.S. women's national teams fans, there is no other team you know better than Canada. When you when Canada takes the field against the U.S., mm-hmm. you at this point you know the Canadians, the, the Canadian team's top players. You've seen them in Christine Sinclair, Cecilman, Desiree Scott, all, all these you know Aaron McLeod and goal. You you know these players, so it, it, it adds to it. So you know what I mean. So I think from that standpoint, I don't. It's great. Mm-hmm. I think they should play as many times as they can play. It's also good for the women's league when you think about it, because it, it's a great showcase for mm-hmm. for the for the end you know for the NWSL. So I think from that standpoint, it's it's great, and and, and they they can just go ahead and keep playing. Mm-hmm. And, and even and, and I'm sure some Canadian fans will will kind of say. Well, if we lose this one, can we please stop playing them? Because you, it's like you don't need to keep rubbing in the fact that the U.S. is better. Uh, but no, folks, let's just play the games. It is what it is. It's fun. It's good for the sport. It's good for both teams. And, and the World Cup's still a couple years away. So what else are you going to do? No, you're right. And, and the other thing, too, I mean, the women's team, I think uh, the Canadian women's team, excuse me, I think over 10 players play in the NWSL. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, if Canada beats the, the you know, the U.S. Women's National Team, obviously. I mean, you know, you think they're going to celebrate like they won the World Cup? Do you think so? Nah, I, I wouldn't <laughs> say that. I think, I think the Canadian team they, they, they're 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 a high level team. They're high enough level team that they feel like they should beat the U.S. Mm-hmm. I feel like they should, or, or well, at least yeah, win think these London games. Olympics. What's that? London Olympics. I mean, you still have to think that that's always on the back of their mind. Right. Well, so, I mean, every time these teams play, it's a tough game. It's a close game. It's a nail-biter. I mean, hey, the, the, game, the game they just played came down to one goal. Sidney Rue finished off the, mm-hmm. the, great, uh, the great work by Becky Sauerbrunn. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's great. And uh, they can they can play every month for all I care, and I and I think people will watch it, and 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 they'll they always put these when the games stop being as entertaining as they are and as as high level as they are uh, until that happens, I think you just keep playing them. And the match also had over twenty thousand people. I mean, that's a sold out stadium for uh, for Frisco for FC Dallas over there. Uh, I was moving over to the Americans abroad front. Danny Williams scored a goal for Reading. Not reading, reading. Uh, what does this mean for him? Could he play his uh, play his way back into the U.S. men's national team picture with more positive performances? Well, I think he's actually been he's been a regular starter for Reading uh, for for the whole season, and uh, it's his first goal. Obviously, he's a defensive midfielder, so he's not getting on the scoreboard too often. Mm-hmm. But it, when he does score a goal, it kind of reminds people, oh, hey, yeah, that's right, Danny Williams. I forgot about him. Uh, it is interesting to note that it's actually that he it's actually been a full year now. Since he played for the U.S., the last time he played for the U.S. Wow. was that Honduras qualifier in Honduras, the the one everyone wants to forget, where the U.S. Uh, were beaten down in San Pedro Sula. He hasn't been called. He hasn't played for the U.S. since then, and I think that's interesting. 
uh, in that time frame, in the year, in the years that has passed since then, you've seen Kyle Beckerman pass him on the on the depth chart. You've seen Mix Discrude pass him on the depth chart. So he's he's in a bit of a tough spot. But what he's what he did do was leave the Bundesliga, join the league championship side at Reading, become a regular starter, and and he's helping them get good results. He's getting good reviews. Uh, right now, he has them as a top six team. They're actually in sixth sixth place right now. They've won four or five matches. So they're in position to to make it to the promotion playoffs. So potentially you could see Reading in the in the Premier League next year. Uh, actually, Reading and Eric Lehigh's Nottingham Forest are both currently in those fifth and sixth place spots, which means they would go. You know, if the season were to end today, they'd be going into the promotion playoffs. So mm. that definitely bears watching. But for Danny Williams, it's easy to forget. We're talking about a guy who, you know, he had. He did have a lot of kind of forgettable forgettable performances playing out of position on the right wing. We all remember those games that left us wondering, why in the heck does Jurgen Klinsmann keep putting him out there? But then he had the game against Jamaica at Crew Stadium uh, in, in the in 2012 qualifying where he was man of the match. He had an outstanding game playing as a defensive midfielder. And then after the match, he came out and said, hey, this is how this is where I should play. And. You see how good I can be, and 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 he had a point, right? He played really well. He's mm-hmm. he, he he covers ground really well. He can pass the ball well out of that position. So I think you know those who, those people who remember that game. I think we saw then what he can give you. So obviously that the the game in Honduras was awful. He he wasn't alone there. I mean, I think obviously I think every one of the German Americans were awful that day. Jermaine Jones, he was you know, Jermaine Jones was struggling. Tim Tim Chandler, actually Tim Chandler. If you think about it, Tim Chandler, Danny Williams. Two guys who have not been seen again since in a U.S. uniform since that game. So I think it's interesting that that we're we're coming up on the one year anniversary of that game, and both those guys have kind of come full circle. They're both playing really well now, and they're both in position to get calls called up in March for that qualify uh, that friendly against the Ukraine. Uh, and I think it's time to do it. You know, I think it, as I said, the Klinsman could decide to go with an all European lineup or an all European roster. Uh, for this friendly on on March fifth, there he has enough players to do it. Mm-hmm. I know some people might say, "Wait a minute, I thought all them all the Americans left Europe, so there's no European players left." But no, there there are plenty of guys, uh, guys like Tim Chandler, Danny Williams, Eric Lehigh. Uh, you know, you, you, there, there's quite a few guys that that you know had kind of been on the radar on the fringes of the radar, and and that game perfect opportunity to bring those guys in along with Jermaine Jones. Uh, Tim Howard, obviously. Michael Bradley could come in. Uh, Toronto FC doesn't play the first week of the MLS season, so you could bring you can bring Michael Bradley in. So I, I think that is a game, much like we've been saying, Tim Chandler could get called in for that game. Danny Williams, at this rate, having been a regular starter now, I think he's a perfect example of someone who also could get a game against the Ukraine. Well, yeah, and you also see some other guys too, like Sasha Kleschen, who might try to seize that opportunity. Well, question's an interesting one, though, because he actually hasn't been starting or playing for, for Anderlecht. He hasn't been starting reg- of late in the past few weeks now, and you kind of you – know, he's on the bench. He's not making appearances, you, you know, so it's kind of what's going on there. So that that, that bears watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he'll still get called in, but, you know, is he going to get – is he going to necessarily get a start when you think about if you have Michael Bradley, Jermaine Jones, uh, Nick's Discrude, Danny Williams all available – I mean, that's I think you have enough central midfielders there. So uh, from that standpoint, you know, who knows about question? But I think Danny Williams at this point, the fact that he's been playing starting mm. regularly on a team that's getting good results. And I know some people will say, oh, league championship. It's not the top division. 
why why are we even going to consider that? Listen, folks, the league championship is a good level. The league champions, it, it, it's you know you can. I know some people will say, oh, you know, is is it on par with MLS? It, it's absolutely on par. You can you. I would argue. You I would say it's higher argue. than MLS. It is higher. I I would say that too. I would I would argue that MLS. If you could say on par with kind of the lower half of the of the league. Yeah, I think I some, some teams could compete. I think the Galaxy could compete, but there's no way. So some of these teams go from the championship to the Premier League and start competing right away, and they have some of the well, same players. People say that right. Absolutely, that's the thing. I think the fact you know what it comes down to. A lot of people just don't see these teams, the teams that are that are staying in the league championship for a consistent amount of time and don't get promoted. Uh, but it's a it's a strong league. It's mm. absolutely a strong league. If you were going to rank the leagues in Europe. Uh, you know, you you have maybe six or seven of the top leagues. Obviously, England, Spain, Germany, Italy, France, uh, the Netherlands, Portugal, Russia. Uh, but then when you get beyond that, I tell you what, the league championship can can be on par with some of these you know other leagues: Norway, Denmark. Oh, Belgium. definitely. So, um, so yeah, this is a good level league, and, and I think now you have quite a few Americans in that league. You don't. It's not just Danny Williams. You also have Aguchi Onyewu, who's playing well now. Uh, he he helped lead Sheffield Wednesday to a win now, uh, and a shutout victory this weekend. They're unbeaten in five. They're climbing up the standings, and he's a part of that. He's been starting for them. He's really established himself. So he's another one that you can see in that March friendly. Uh, don't forget about Tim Ream, who's mm-hmm. playing regularly. Even though Bolton is completely falling apart, they're completely a mess now. They're they've been sliding down the standings, but you know he he's been starting regularly. Uh, you know, so there's it, just because it's not the Premier League doesn't mean that the guys in that league shouldn't be getting consideration. And I think they absolutely are being considered. I think Klinsman is looking at these guys. And I think some people need to realize or be ready for the fact that you're going to, I think you're going to see a bunch of these guys in March. It's like the, you're right. the championship is a very good league. I, it's The problem is, Ivis, what happens is, is people will watch, you know, like Bolton Wanderers versus like everyone's favorite, you know, Kidderminster Harriers at like, you know, some, crap stadium with like a thousand people the field's muddy it's like the one random fa cup game on tv i think that's the problem people judge it off of that well no i don't well honestly there's just not enough league league the league the problem with the league championship is uh epl is the big dog in england epl is what is shown all over on television in england so the league championship doesn't get the tv coverage uh the same kind of national level tv coverage that the Premier League gets, and and as a product of that, we over here don't get to see many league championship mm-hmm. games. We're lucky if we see one a week, maybe one every other week. Actually, this past weekend, I think there was a, I think there was a game. I think it was, I think QPR and uh, it might have been QPR and Burnley that played uh, this past weekend. So, uh, and that we were able to actually see that if you if you had the you know the hundred channels uh, <laughs> package that watches every single game in Europe. But I tell you what, it's a good level league. And and it shouldn't be written off. Hey, Breck Shea, another guy. Think about all those guys. Yep. You got Breck, Breck Shea, Danny Williams, Gucci Onyewu, Eric Lehigh, Tim Ream. That's a good number of guys. Uh, you know, Jonathan Spector, when he's healthy. I don't oh, think he's healthy. I think he's being hurt again. Yeah. Uh, and, hey, Stuart Holden. Stuart Holden is coming back. He was training with the U.S. team. He's working his way back. I know I always say it. Let's take it easy with the national team and Stuart Holden. Let him do his thing. No pressure. But... He will eventually go back to Bolton, he, and you got to think he'll step right in and start for them when he's healthy. They need the help. They've lost three in a row. As they say on the trot in England, they're only two points out of the relegation zone, which is a little scary uh, for them. Uh, but, again, it's a good league, uh, so don't write it off just because you don't, you're don't you not used to seeing them and because it's not the top league in England. It's actually still a very good league. 
Uh, also keeping it in England, Josie Altidore had a positive for por- performance. Excuse me, uh, for Sunderland, he did not score a goal, Ivis, but he did contribute on one. He had another chance later on in the game, missed that opportunity. But for Josie Altidore, even though he's not scoring goals, Ivis having positive performances and contributing to goals, I think is f- important for him as he still tries to find his stride. He's playing well. There's no doubt about it. The past two games. Pretty much since that Kidderminster game, who would have thought we'd have yeah. twice <laughs> in the same show? We've we're all about Kidderminster, um, but listen, there's no way there's no way around it. He was he was very disappointing in that game. I wrote the column after that saying it's time to worry about Josie Altidore. And of course, ever since then, he's started both games. He's played he's played his butt off, and, and he's playing well. You got to give him credit. He he's he's causing problems for opposing defenses. He, he's drawing fouls. He's getting into good positions. He is pressuring defenders when they have the ball. Uh, that kind of pressing is so important for teams. That, that and, and one of the keys to what Sunderland has been able to do now in their turnaround is, is the pressure they're putting on opponents. And Josie Altidore absolutely has been a, a key part of that. Against Newcastle, he was an absolute handful. Didn't score, didn't score a goal, but he did have the nice back heel that sparked the sequence that led to the to the second goal for them in their in their big uh, derby win against Newcastle. He is playing well and he is getting starts. Gus Poyet is showing confidence in him and 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 Josie's responding. And that's the thing like, you know, like as much as he was struggling when a when a coach stands by you, it gives you confidence. And and, and as much as maybe that Kidderminster match was a low point for him, as much as maybe he came out of that match thinking, "Man, this I wasn't good enough, man. This, I might not play again, and that was a. And I think a lot of people were worried about worried about that. So you could understand if Josie was, Altidore was worried about that. But what does Gus Poyet do? He gives him a start in the next match, and then what he do, he does well, and then he gives him another start. So now maybe it's maybe Altidore is absolutely a confidence player. When he's down, you see it. When he's down. He 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 just he doesn't hustle the same. You see it in his body language. He 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 gets off his game when he's confident and he and he's feeling it. He he he's a completely different guy. And we're seeing that we're seeing that more and more now. And the way I see it, the goals will come if he keeps doing what he's been doing the past mm-hmm. few games. The goals will come, and I think it's a perfect time for him now. Uh, you know they, they they're playing outstanding. They've climbed clear of the relegation zone. They're feeling good. They're unbeaten in five. They're gonna play in the League Cup final in a week and a half. And that's a you know if he keeps it up and he's healthy, you you figure he's gonna start in that match. That's gonna be a great experience for him. So I think U.S. fans can relax a little bit now. Now we're seeing him take advantage of it. And and no, the goals still haven't come yet, but he's doing everything else. And the fact that he's doing everything else is a positive sign going forward. Uh, talking about positive signs in his first league start for FC Utrecht, Juan Agadello assisted on the equalizing goal in the game. He did play up top uh, for them. I think he still has a long way to go. I also this equalizer was against Ajax, the top of the table. Uh, but for Juan Agadello, Ivis, I still think he has a long way to go. But positive performances like this are, are very encouraging out of him. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, it, it's no small feat to have your first start with a new team be against Ajax, and then you actually set up the the, the equalizing goal. I mean, that's a big step for him He because, you know what, he, he doesn't have a lot of time, right? He has half a season with Utrecht to – first thing he has to do is earn playing time. He has to impress the coach and then get into the starting lineup and then do something when he gets on the field and starting lineup. He's already done that. Second game in, he's already started to have an impact, and that's big because he needs the games. He needs the playing time. He needs to show not only Utrecht what he can do, 
But Stoke City, what he can do, and and I tell you what, that UK work permit board, they need to see what he can do because he needs to play well. If he's going to have any chance to get uh, the work permit appeal approved the next time around, and then obviously have any chance for the World Cup. And he's still he's still not there yet. But you know what? It, it's a big step for him. And and again, talking about that March friendly, if you're Jurgen Klinsmann, and you have Jose, uh, Juan Agudelo starting. Let's say he starts for every match in the month of February for Utrecht, and he's playing well. Let's say he finds a goal or two, keeps playing really well. The, and, and you know Clinton's going to send some scouts or send us scout to watch him to see how he, how he does. You know he's going to talk to the Utrecht manager to get a take on how Agadell is doing. If he has a strong month, there is absolutely no reason you, can't, you wouldn't possibly see him called into that March camp. Uh, for that March friendly, because as I said, you can absolutely have an all European uh, base player squad. Because think about it: if 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 Klinsman does decide to leave the MLS players uh, home, so they can get ready for the start of the season, that's Eddie Johnson, that's Chris Wondolowski, uh, obviously Clint Dempsey, Landon Donovan. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to need a Juan Agudelo, you know, absolutely. And then who knows? You could see uh, out. To, you're going to have. You're still going to have Josie Altador, Aaron Johansson, Terrence Boyd. And then why not bring in Juan Agudelo? If, again, big if, if he keeps on starting, keeps on playing well, I think he absolutely could get a call up. And uh, Ivis, we have seen a lot of Americans go from Europe to America, but we did see one American go over to Europe. That is former Duke defender Sebastian Ibiaga, signed with Danish club AC Horsens. Uh, kind of uh, explain a little bit of, of who he is and how he's a he's a very big time pro talent, Ivis. Well, for those of you who don't know who he is, Sebastian Ibiaga, obviously a former uh, U.S. under-23 pool player, uh, one of the top prospects in college soccer for the past four years, uh, a Houston Dynamo homegrown player. He's a player that the Dynamo had been trying to sign for multiple years now, and he kept passing on the offers to stay in school, to earn his degree at Duke. And then here he is, his senior year, and uh, you know Houston Dynamo made a big offer to him. They wanted to sign him, and he passed on that to try his luck in Europe, and now he's signed for AC Horsens, who's actually a a second-division team, which I think might surprise some people. Why would he pass on the Houston Dynamo to go sign with a second-division team in Denmark? And 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 it's pretty simple. Number one, Horsens is a really good bet to be promoted to the Danish League next year. Number two, the contract that he signed, one-and-a-half-year deal, as opposed to four- or five-year deal, in MLS, which is the standard deal that that young players, that college prospects, that top homegrown players get, we're talking five years, up to six year deals if you're if you're a teenager, uh, and that's a lot of years. And and for some of these pro prospects who have you know grand aspirations of of, of moving up in Europe and moving to Europe, uh, you know they see that as a hindrance. And, and you talk to even players that like at Juan Agudelo, perfect example. He's someone who, you know, he looked at that at the possibility of, of re-signing with MLS, and it was never mm-hmm. an option because, you know, you just don't want to sign away four or five years of your life, uh, especially with the likelihood or the possibility that it's going to be very tough for you to move out of that contract because MLS obviously uh, demands pretty stiff uh, transfer prices for its players. So from that standpoint, you can understand why it would be more appealing to Biaga to go one-and-a-half-year deal join Horsens, help them get promoted, and then next year he's playing in the first division in Denmark. And if he has a big year there, then who knows? what it, 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 He has control in the year and a half. And, and so from that standpoint, 
I think it's a good move for him. Um, as much as Houston Dynamo really made a strong play for him, they made him a really solid offer financially. But again, it comes down. It's not always just about the money, but also about the freedom and and the and the control of your career. And I, I think from that standpoint, having a one and a half year deal uh, in Europe was more appealing to Ibiaga. And it's and he's someone to keep an eye on because he's a quality player. Just to give people an idea, when you think about this MLS draft, and it was the year of the center back, and there were so many quality center backs. Uh, and 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 some of them taken very high. Steve Birnbaum, Christian Dean, two, they were picked second and third overall in the MLS draft. Well, I can tell you, by most accounts, uh, uh, when you talk about prospects uh, in college last year, for me, Ibiaga was a higher-rated center back than both uh, Birnbaum and Christian Dean. So just that gives you some context about where he is and where he would have been if he came in at MLS. So he's someone to keep an eye on. If it work out, if it works out for him, he'll be in the premier. He'll be in the first division in Denmark next year. And if he's starting and playing regularly, who knows? From there, if he catches somebody's eye, maybe he takes the next step to a bigger league. But he is definitely a prospect to keep an eye on. And moving over to Major League Soccer news, the league and David Beckham Ivis are set to make a major announcement on Wednesday. I, I think it's a safe bet to say that they will award the franchise to to Miami and to David Beckham and. All the all-stars that he is with. All-star celebrities, I should say. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know how many of them are going to be at the announcement, but uh, it definitely does seem as if we are finally get, going to get the formal announcement of what everyone has known for I don't know how long now. David Beckham will bring MLS to Miami. It's going to happen. It was always a question of when, not if. And uh, it seems like everything's being lined up now. Uh, I know they're, they're having some kind of event on Tuesday evening, but then Wednesday morning... You're going to see a formal announcement, and and I think you're already seeing reports of that being the case, of of that announcement being about uh, Miami joining MLS, likely 2016, uh, and it's a bit, it's a big, it's a big step. It's a big step for MLS. I know there's still concern about Miami and can a pro sports team really work there? We've seen all the all the examples of it not working there, even in MLS, Miami Fusion, which again didn't play in Miami, they played in Fort Lauderdale, didn't really work out. Um, so we're going to see, we're going to wait and see how it, how it goes. I, I'm excited for it. I think, I think that there's potential there, uh, to blaze a trail there and, and, and have some success in, in Miami. I know some people swear up and down. It can't work. It can't succeed. It's going to fail. Uh, but I, you know what? I, I think it has a much better chance of succeeding this time around than it did, uh, in the first go around with the fusion. So it, it's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch. It's fun to see mm-hmm. what Beckham can do, what kind of group they put together, what kind of ownership group we, you get all these names that have been, you know, Jay-Z, Beyonce, LeBron, all you see, you hear all these names, but you want to see it when it gets down to the nitty gritty, who's really going to be involved mm-hmm. with this team. And, and, and more important than all the names and the, and the celebrities who they hire to run the team. That's what matters more than anything. Right, it's not the who. Okay, who 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 would be a good person to run the team? Oh, you know what? I'm I'm not even talking about names. I'm just saying (laughs) as an idea. Uh, It's nice to have A-listers linked with the club, but when it comes down to it, you you, the most important thing you can do is make sure you get the right people running the club to build the foundation of the club to get it off, to get it hit, to get it hitting the ground running. And I think you saw that with the Seattle Sounders. Mm Uh, as an example of a recent expansion team that really got it and really hit the ground running and, and put a good team on the field right away. So, and there's and that's a reason why, you know, while they haven't won an MLS Cup, they still have built some great success. And, and there's a reason that they can, you know, put 50,000 fans in their, in, in their stadium on a consistent basis because they've put an entertaining team on the field from day one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and they, you know, they won three U.S. Open Cups. That didn't hurt either. 
but I think it's more important than all the glitz and glamour and the and Beckham and and and, and you know Jay Z, LeBron, all that. It's who they hire as their to run who, who's in their front office, who their head coach is, and and we're still it's still if they're not going to start till 2016, we're probably not going to hear uh, anything about that until later this year. But I think that is really what's going to matter. Obviously, another big another big key for that is where the stadium. Yeah, is. I was going to say that. I, I feel like the stadium has been the biggest talking point. If they get it at that Port Miami location, Ivis, I mean, I don't know Miami that well, but looking at Google Maps, that looks like it'd be an awesome spot. Well, yeah, I mean, it's funny you said that because I, I, I went to Miami uh, when I was down at the MLS Combine. Mm-hmm. I did spend an evening in Miami, as you do. And uh, you know, <laughs> what'd you I do? Wrote, I wrote, <laughs> I had a good time. Okay, well, uh, come on, what'd you do? Where'd you go? Uh, where did I go? Uh, Do you remember? I remember. (laughs) Clevelander. There there was a rooftop club. It was pretty sweet. Me and and Franco Panizzo were hanging out over there. God, why do we have to mention Uh, him on the show? That was the only negative about that trip to Miami. Uh, I needed a new phone anyway, so it actually worked out because I needed needed to upgrade from the 4S to the 5S and, and... Perfect timing. I did it. Um, but but again, back to the main point. We, we, we rode by that spot. We rode by the, the Port of Miami uh, proposed location. And absolutely, if they can get that, that's huge. Mm-hmm. That's huge. And, 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 wait, how, and how big? It, how, wait. <laughs> it's huge with no H. It's huge. <laughs> as we say on the East Coast, it's huge. But anyway, uh, it, it, it would be great. It would be great. And, and, and not just so, because it could mean excuses to go to South Beach. But <laughs> yes, it but does. Just, well, that's a little bit of it. But all, all kidding aside, it'd be great, and that, and that's a key. You know, who you hire to run the team and where you put that stadium, those are the big big steps that Beckham and his ownership group need to get right. Because if they get those wrong, then then you will have some reason to kind of worry. Because you need to hit the ground running there. Mm-hmm. If you if you come out of the gate with a weak team in Miami, if you come out of the gate with a a, a losing team, a, a team that doesn't play attractive soccer, a team that doesn't have have some quality players, uh, you know, some A list type, you know, I'm not just I'm just saying names as as names, not that they're going to Miami, but like a Xavi or something like that. You need some of that, and you, and, you, and you need smart people running the team because if you don't hit the ground running in Miami with that team right off the bat 2016 and play well, you're not going to capture the imagination of the, uh, of the people in Miami. We've seen it. We've seen it over and over in pro sports in Miami. you gotta, you got to come with it because even the Miami Heat, as good as they are winning multiple titles, mm-hmm. they, have their, they have empty seats every now and then, so they, you know, but they, they do pretty well. You need that. You need that in Miami, and that's why it's so important who they hire. And the Seattle Sounders are set to sign Marco Papa, midfielder. Ivis, what does this mean for the Sounders? Good move. Did the rich get richer? <laughs> well, I'd say what. Uh, it's a great, great pickup for them. Uh, I think I might have mentioned at the last show that this was a move they kind of, they kind of had to make, or it fit well with what they have on their team now, what they were going to do, and just to take it back a ways. Uh, you know, I know some people at the time kind of wondered why. Why did Eddie Johnson have to go, right? Why did he, why did the Sounders have to move him on? Uh, and it, when it came down to it, and I think we've covered it before, it came down to the fact that the team, as constituted, needed needed restructuring. It needed uh, it, they needed to shake up the roster. They need to bolster. They needed to bolster some positions, but they needed they needed to find the cap room and they needed to find the allocation money to make all that happen because they were squeezed into a box. 
right? They, they, and the, they had to look at their assets and, and decide what can we afford to give away, what has really good value, and what could get us headed in another direction where we can revamp, reload. And Eddie Johnson was always that guy that they could move on because, you know, they have other forwards. They have Obafemi Martins. They have Lamar Nagel. They have Clint Dempsey who can also play a forward. Uh, so they had other options. But by moving Eddie Johnson and not signing him to a big new contract, which was never really something realistic that they could do, by moving him on and getting from what I'm told is, you know, upwards of $600,000 in allocation money, that – has allowed them now to revamp and retool this roster. It has allowed them to go get Chad Marshall, Kenny Cooper, Stephen Fry, and now Marco Papa. That's the, you know multiple quality additions to to shake things up, move things around. Uh, and and Marco Papa is a, a really good piece of that puzzle. Gives them depth on the left wing. Allows you know Lamar Nagel to play forward or left wing. You can play Marco Papa centrally. Uh, you, you can play him on either wing really. Uh, so he, his versatility is key. I think Papa's versatility, Lamar Nagel's versatility, is huge for for what they have on that team now. So I think it's big, big, big signing for them. Uh, for those who remember him when he was with the Fire, he was he was definitely an impact player. So I, I think he he will I think he will fit in perfectly with the with the group they have there now. Uh, also, uh, another thing that happened on the West Coast, Ivis the San Jose Earthquakes uh, unveiled their new crest. I think it looks. Awesome! It's you know pays pays due to the NASL San Jose Earthquakes. There's also like I think some geology features in the crest. I think it looks cool. I think the kits look cool. Don't you agree? Don't you think it looks cool? <laughs> I'll tell you what. I think the uniforms look pretty sharp. I do. I agree there. The logo I'm a little indifferent about. I'm not a fan. I like. I, I put it to you th- this way: Is it an upgrade over their old logo? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Is it a huge upgrade? Is it is it a great logo? I'm I'm not gonna go there. I'm not gonna say that. I don't, I'm not sold on that. I think it's a pretty average logo. I, I I thought I thought the reaction was funny from the public about it, which most people hated it. They hated the soccer ball in it. Uh, the font on the logo looks a little cheese. Looks a little cheap. I kind of agree with that. Um, but you know what? It, just give it time. Let's see how it looks. Let's see how the uniforms look when it has a sponsor, uh, a sponsor on it. Mm-hmm. Give you a real sense of what that. I think the jerseys look really sharp. So mm-hmm. I think once you see the team in action, once you get a, once you get more used to the logo in that context, I think then it'll kind of settle in. And and, and I've <laughs> I've kind of learned my lesson on that front because I tell you what I I hated I hated the Sporting KC logo when it first came out. Uh, when they rebranded, I, I I didn't I just didn't like it. I thought it was it was the little worms in it. I didn't get it. I I, I, didn't, I wasn't a fan of it. But I tell you what, I, now you ask me now, I I think the case sporting KC logo is great. I've gotten used to it. The color, I love the color. Uh, you know, it, so I say people give it some time, uh, and maybe it'll 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 grow on you. And I already got that sense from some people who a day later were like, yeah, you know what? I look, you know, now a day later, it's it's better than I thought. It could have been better, but you know what? We'll see. It's an upgrade. At least from that standpoint, I, th- I think most people agree it was an upgrade over, over the previous logo. Oh, and I tell you what. I agree on that. Of, yeah. And, and somewhat related, what's interesting is New York City FC uh, is about to uh, launch a kind of contest. They're actually asking fans to uh, to design logos. They, they're doing a logo a logo generator, a badge generator uh, on their website uh, to, 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 to let people, uh, you know, kind of come up with their own ideas for what the New York City FC logo is going to be. 
so I think that's pretty cool. I think that's gonna. I think that's dropping on on what's today Monday? Is today Monday? It's gonna drop on Tuesday. Uh, I think they're gonna uh, launch that. So keep an eye out for that. And if you want to offer some submissions, I already saw one Red Bulls fan uh, put in a submission that had like the Red Bulls logo, <laughs> but in blue, and it said Blue Bulls. Uh, I think it was a uh, uh, my, my, uh, my boy uh, friend, friendly foe. Uh, on Twitter, who's a big Red Bulls fan and, and one of the funnier Twitter follows that you'll find, and so I thought that was pretty hilarious. But keep an eye out for that, uh, and who knows, maybe you can uh, maybe you can end up designing the logo that NYCFC ends up using. Maybe it could be me. I'm really good at Microsoft Paint, <laughs> as we saw with your uh, MLS expansion graphic <laughs> to Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, I think San Jose's. I think it looks good. I'm not looking at the rest of the league. Looking at you know everyone's crest. I'm trying to think. Like maybe New England needs an upgrade. Columbus the, Crew, I think the Columbus. consensus is out there that they need they need a, a kind of re, a redesign. And then the, apparently that's already in the works. So I think the crew will come out with that uh, in the near future. So I think that's something to keep an eye on. What about the Major League Soccer logo? Does that need? Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned I think that, I think it does. Well, you, what's funny is that's apparently been in the works for some time now, um, and I, I don't know what the delay's been about. Uh, I don't know what they're waiting for but i i have heard for a long time now that the, that mls is supposed to supposed to redesign logo and here's a little fyi for you mm-hmm. a little 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 known fact mm. uh the person who designed the mls the current mls logo mm-hmm. also designed the sbi the current sbi logo mm. uh he he's the former uh, creative director at mls and he actually designed the logos for several uh, of of the teams in MLS and very obviously quality designer, top top notch designer because of course he signed. Hey, does he design our logo? Great job with that. Uh, but it is it is pretty cool to see the next wave of logos mm-hmm. and see teams kind of revamp. You know the older teams, the mm-hmm. original teams, and 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 see them uh, change things up. And I think it's great. You kind of need that. Uh, you don't want to get too drastic. I mean, obviously in some ways, you know, you you want to. I'm going to keep some of the same elements if you can. But, you know, I, I think teams overall has done, have done a pretty good job with that. And before we wrap up the show, Ivis, we need to talk a little international news. Carlos Vela turned down a Mexican national team call-up again. What is going on here? I, I tell you what, man. It's some shocking stuff. I mean, it, it it's really unbelievable. And, and if you haven't been following it, if you really don't know what's going on, uh, what it boils down to is Mexico, the best Mexican player on the planet right now, the uh, the player, the Mexican player who is having the best success, doing the best first club team, killing it in Spain. Uh, Carlos Vela does not want to play for the the national team. He, he there's there's something going on there. There's some some backstory we're not hearing. Some issue, uh, and, and for whatever reason, he's just refusing to play for Mexico. And then even with them going to the World Cup, it's just not happening. And you know, if you're if you're a Mexican fan, you gotta be pretty upset. And, and even though you know what, maybe there's a perfectly good explanation for it. We're not hearing it. We haven't gotten the details. Uh, Tom Marshall, uh, our, the Gold. dot com, uh, he, he actually writes for multiple outlets, but mm-hmm. he does also write for Gold. dot com. He had a pretty good uh, a pretty good kind of backstory breakdown, potentially giving you some 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 kind of idea what might be going on. I, I retweeted it on Monday, so. Uh, in case you missed it, if you want to just tr- run down my tweets from Monday, uh, you know you, you'll find it in there. And, and it sounds like there were some issues where, where some players were suspended. Uh, kind of uh, made an example of he might he was one of those players, and, and that kind of left a sour taste in his mouth. And I guess he's he's at that point where he's just like, well, I don't need that Mexican national team. They can you know they can piss off. 
Uh, and it's 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 crazy when you think about it because it's like I can't think of many cases where the best player for a World Cup bound national team just doesn't want to play for the team, and it's crazy. I mean, I you know I remember Roy Keane with the whole 2002 World Cup thing with Ireland, but this has been going on for months. He didn't play in qualifying. Mexico nearly didn't qualify for the World Cup. Mexico nearly, you know, if not for, you know, Graham Zussi, uh, you know, playing the hero, you know, Mexico might not even be in the World Cup. So it's crazy, right? Uh, it's unbelievable. And, uh, you know, for Vela, like, Vela has to have his reasons. And I, I can't I can't sit here and cr- rip him too much because I don't know the story. No one seems to know the exact story as to why but it's just unbelievable to there has to be something pretty pretty dramatic and drastic for him to just say you know what i am not going to represent my country in the world cup even though i am the best player even though i am in the form of my life even though i am probably giving up millions of dollars in endorsements uh not to mention the absolute hate of a country i mean come on is vela gonna be able to go back to mexico anytime soon imagine if mexico goes three and out or, or or has an awful world cup crash out and it's who are they gonna blame and if, if anything mexican the, the players on the mexican team are gonna be like you know what no matter what we do we're gonna blame vela if we have an awful world cup we're gonna blame vela if we have a great world cup screw vela we didn't need vela right so in, in a way it's almost like they have their scapegoat ready made but but come on how do you not represent your national team i just don't get it but again, I don't know the story, and no one seems to know the story. Um, I mean, you have to bet that there's U.S. men's national teams out there, fans out there who are just like, ha, 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 this is excellent. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, as, as a rival, you know, you, you, you're kind of going to love the drama uh, and everything that, that's going on there. But I tell you what, you know what? You don't, don't, don't enjoy it too much because you know what? If Mexico, doesn't, if Mexico does poorly at the World Cup, that hurts CONCACAF. Mm-hmm. And, and as much as I'm not listen, I'm not saying root for Mexico, folks. I'm not saying, hey, even though you're a U.S. national team fan, root for Mexico. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is, though, if Mexico does poorly in the World Cup, if the CONCACAF teams do poorly in the World Cup, that can that can have a negative impact for CONCACAF. And if and 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 conversely, if if Mexico does really well, if you know Honduras does really well. If Costa Rica, okay, let's face it, Costa Rica's done. They're toast. That group is ridiculous. But if Honduras does what? well, you Mexico, never come on, Ivis. <laughs> that group is listen. That group is a wow. Anyway, but again, Concacaf teams doing well. If you if, if it, it can help down the road, it maybe can even help get another half of a Ooh. half of a World Cup spot, or you know, or help with with FIFA rankings, help get a seed for 2018. I mean, all that stuff matters, right? So. Don't get don't get too you know you can enjoy it but but also remember there could be some consequences to that. I, I think everyone should. I think the safe bet is just root that they would all advance out of the group stage. I mean, if you want Mexico to lose, that's fine. Just root for them to get out of the group stage, losing the first round. Yeah, I mean, I think happens. I think that's, that's what fair. They do, that's what they do at every World Cup anyway, right? Oh, do you? I'm just saying. That's just, <laughs> it, it is what it is. <laughs> They get out of the group and then they lose in the in the round of sixteen. And I've actually been there for the last three times that's happened. So maybe mm. I'm bad luck for them. I don't know. You are maybe. bad. Luck. Actually, you're bad luck for a lot of teams. <laughs> I don't know about that. That is that is true. Reports have indicated that you are. Uh, I don't know about that. Well, yeah, maybe we also like. Ah, see, there it is. <laughs> yeah, they've never won a big game that I've been at, but and but you know, I don't think I'm alone in that. Um, but yeah, so that that one's gonna bear watching. <laughs> Uh, hopefully, hopefully, if he doesn't play, at least hopefully he comes out and, and tells the story, right? At least he does a tell-all 
this is what happened. Because without that, it's kind of like, what is wrong with you? Are you insane? How do you not represent your country? Never mind, you know, forget all the, okay, you can argue the patriotic aspect of it, but also the money aspect of it. I mean, that's got to be costing them millions, millions and millions of dollars of potential sponsorship money. Uh, that's That's got to hurt his profile in Mexico because he goes from being a marketable guy in Mexico, a hero in Mexico, someone who who can just, you know, make all sorts of sponsorship money in Mexico to nobody's going to touch the guy. Who's going to, who's going to sign Carlos Vela to a sponsorship deal in Mexico? Who, who's going to put money down to do commercials with Carlos? Like he's, he's going to be one of the most hated people in Mexico. Uh, especially, and especially if he doesn't play and then they do poorly and they embarrass themselves, mm-hmm. which entirely possible considering how bad they were in qualifying. So I don't know, man, I think it's, uh, it's, it's crazy. And I hope we, I hope we get the story. I hope someone, or I hope he steps forward and tells us what's, what the deal is. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But, I mean, they always got Chicharito. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean. <laughs> and, and Marquez. Oh, okay, no. I'm oh just, I'm just being mean to know. Well, I, I tell you what, man. That, that's going to be – I mean, I know he's done well for them and helped them qualify. But, man, I'll tell you what. That Rafa Mar- if Rafa Marquez really is going to be the anchor of that defense, that's – yeah, I, that's going to be hmm, – that's going to be one to watch. Yeah, well, Him against Brazil? Wow. And in, in, the, yeah. in, the, in the, it's not going to be pretty. And I don't think any U.S. fans are going to mind that. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think they are. Well, I was – that wraps up the show. I think we covered everything pretty well. I thought the sound effects on my end were pretty good. And uh, I mean, anything else we need to talk about? Uh, I think we've covered it all, man. I think we uh, – a lot of a lot of little different things here and there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't know. Uh, what else? What else? Yeah, I think we've touched everything. We, there, a couple of – you know, uh, Gabriel Farfan has gone on, gone on loan. <laughs> Tuchiapas, yes, uh, from Chivas USA. Uh, the number two overall picks working out well. Yeah, you know <laughs> they 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 traded the number two overall pick for a half season of Gabe Farfan. So that's one of the more awful moves uh, in recent memory. But again, to be fair to Chivas USA, it seems like their current leadership is now cleaning up the mess of last year. So you almost kind of you can't you can't blame the current group for what happened there. But uh, but yeah, of course it, it's you know it, it's it's not a huge deal. But although it was a huge deal to one person on Twitter who was uh, in, just trolled me to death today on Twitter, I just thought it was pretty hilarious. So today, today was definitely Twitter troll day, and and uh, I, I I will confess, I, I I think people who follow me on Twitter might already know this. I have a thing where trolls, uh, you know what? If you catch my attention, I will I will. Take the bait, as they say, when it comes to Twitter trolls. So uh, I always find that to be pretty hilarious. They do say that phrase, Ivis. What's that? They do say that phrase. <laughs> What's that? Sorry, I'm just being a brat. Yeah, it never fails, though, man. It never fails to get you get you get people who just wanna just wanna give you crap, and and it, it, I you know it, it's hilarious to me. I wish I could ignore it. It, it, it. I think it was actually one of my New Year's resolutions. Was to ignore Twitter, Twitter trolls, but I can't help myself, and I and and it, it never fails, right? And and I, I've kind of started to do this, but I and and, he, and even though I do this, I still catch myself. No, and I'll preface this by saying, listen, no offense to anybody who has a low follower count on Twitter. No offense, I'm not I'm not being a snob. I'm not saying that that that, that people who have low follower counts are any less important or 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 don't shouldn't be respected. But it does seem like whenever someone's trolling, 
they probably they don't have many followers. It it, it, it almost never fails. It, and it's maybe there's something to that. Maybe it's because it's a fake account, or maybe it's just these people are so obnoxious that that they lose followers and they end up with single digit, double digit followers, or maybe a hundred followers. But I swear, man, it's it just it just it just gets to me every time. And and I, I don't know. I'm you know you I think you you know me well enough. You know I gotta have the last word. I, I gotta go back at you. Yeah, no, it's annoying sometimes. <laughs> Exactly. So it's, it's so it's so annoying when we record the show. It's like, oh, I just has to throw in his last word. It's like, why can't Garrett have the last word? <laughs> I say hilarious, that? insightful things all the time you on this what? show. But all, yeah. but Ivis is always just like, oh, that's not funny. Delete that. That's the you're. Come on, you're not the funny one. Delete <laughs> uh, that comment. Gonna, you know what? I I'm, I'm <laughs> airing the public your 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 humor. But you know what? From now on, we'll leave it in. We'll let you. Know. But but again, I I do want to tip my hat to the to the Twitter trolls that that keep me entertained when whenever there's downtime on twitter because they never they never let me down i and they always get me going and and i i can't help myself and so apologies to all of you who who have to endure that sometimes and see a barrage of tweets but that's just how it is, yeah, how it is. sometimes it's funny it is it yeah is, but yeah i'd love to meet these people it's great yeah I, me I'd too love i'd love to i'd punch all of them in the face that's what i would yeah, do you know what it's not even that you, you know i do like karate chop and be like you know, I'm something a, like that. You know, I don't that guy. But I do. It is funny though, because I tell you, I've met some people who I've have had it out with on Twitter, uh, and it's. I feel like almost always the people are pretty nice. The people are pretty. Uh, it, it's just, I don't know. I think some people when they're when when they're online, when they're kind of anonymous, it's just easy to be really obnoxious uh, and, and just say things you wouldn't say in public or you wouldn't say publicly. So, but I think once you meet the people, a lot of times they're they're reasonable people and, and then you get along. I mean, I, you know, I, I had a I had a guy I met uh, from Dallas who uh, you know, had a history of kind of coming at me on Twitter and I even knew the knew the guy's name. I'm like, this guy, I'd love to meet this guy one day. And I tell you what, I met him in Kansas City one of these trips. I can't even remember now. Um, I think a US game. And and it was great. We had a great time. We had a great chat and it was all good, you know, and and you know, Give give the guy a chance to say his piece. I say my piece. Let him know. No, I don't hate your team. I don't hate any team. I just tell the truth. I just tell like it is. So it's great. So you know what? Even if you've trolled me, I'll gladly shake your hand and have a conversation with you. Yeah, I was going to say, he hated on you because of your ultimate hatred for George John and any success that he has. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) I'm always down on him and Shellis Heinemann and... And, uh, and all these other things, but no, no, it's it's funny. It's it is what it is. It's part of the world. It's part of the, uh, you know, it's part of the social media experience. But I, I love meeting the people because, like I said, I always feel like we always end up finding a common ground, and then half and more, more often than not, we end up being cool. We end up getting along great, and you know, I don't I don't threaten people with violence or anything like that. So so if anyone's zoned out the last five minutes, this is the this is the lesson we've learned. If you are mean to Ivis on Twitter, but meet him in person, he'll like you. That that's the way to go. No, no. If you're <laughs> if you're reasonable in person, chances are we'll get along. Because I'm I'm a reasonable guy. But you know what? If you're obnoxious in person, then it, things things might not go well. I have noticed so, that. I, you do give the look sometimes. What's that? I, I, I mean, I I noticed the look and the few times that we hung. But you give this like death stare. Ah. Uh. I'm a, I'm I'm a nice guy. No, no, you're a nice guy, but I've noticed you've you've given like the you're annoyed look. I've I've seen I've seen it. I'm sure other people listening to the show have also seen it too. It's it's. I forget it's, what movie this is from, but I'll say I'll say this. Uh, I'm nice until it's time to not be nice. Yeah. See exactly. Yeah. I know that's stolen from a movie. I can't remember what, but that's I'll use that as my motto. Is that an '80s movie? I don't know. Maybe '90s. I'll look it up. I'll look it up. 
I can't remember. Hmm. I'm I don't sure know. We'll get comments about it, but there you go. I can't. I can't help you there. <laughs> well, yeah, because you've seen like ten movies. You're like, you're like in your whole life. That's not true. I my 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 father was born in like the wrong generation, so I grew up with like Frank Sinatra and like AMC on the TV. Like I'd be watching something, he'd come in and be like, "What's on AMC?" And it'd be a movie, be like, "All right, we're watching this," and like I have to watch it. So that that's how I grew up. I grew up grew up very cultured, Ivis. <laughs> is that is that it? Yeah, that explains oh, everything. Oh, how could I forget? You know where that line is from? Mm. Is from Roadhouse. And yes, it's from 1989. So yes, it was an. an Damn, I'm older than that movie. Think about that. <laughs> think think about that. And the line is the line is I want you to be nice until it's time to not be nice. And that 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 is a, a, for me, East Coast guy. That's mm. my that's the, a motto I live by. Mm. I see on the West Coast we just go up, just chill, man. It's chill. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yes, yes, it's all good, bro. That's why we, you know what? That's why I think that's why we work so well together. Why is that? That balance because I have that kind of East Coast kind of thing, and you got that chill West Coast thing. So it's a good balance. I'm just more sensitive. Is that what it is? Yeah, you know, you're <laughs> soft, and I'm not. So. <laughs> there you go. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, nothing else to talk about. I'm going to let you go. Ivis and I, as, as for everyone listening, we're only doing two shows a week till the season starts. So remember, two shows a week, but we'll go to three. When March hits, yes, and uh, look, we're, we're gonna do this week. We'll do the the SBI Q and A, the SBI Show Q and A, for the next show. So look out, look out for the tweet. And even if you don't look out for the tweet, uh, you could send us starting yes. now. You can send us a question for the you know for the show. Uh, hashtag Ask the SBI Show. We'll do a Q and A this week in the next show. Uh, but for the rest of the month, we'll try to do our Q and As for the first show of the week, which are generally going to be Monday night and recording on Tuesday. So uh, if you have a question, definitely send it our way because chances are if it's a good question, we'll we'll, we'll answer it. And, you know, we've been getting some decent questions lately, but Mm -hmm. you know what? Always always feel free. If you have a question, send it in. Well, and they don't always have to be soccer questions. Like if you need like, you know, if you're a young kid listening to the show like 18 years old and you need like love advice, like ask Ivis, man. He'll help you out. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty good at that. You and don't if you need me. if you need me to help out, you know, with like financial advice, boom, ask me a question. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. There you go. You know, or I mean, you ask like anything. Hipster. If you want to, if you want to know what clothing you should buy to look like a hipster or look European, then Garrett. <laughs> That's guy. stupid. I just dress well. <laughs> okay. I just dress well, and I care about the way that I, I present myself. I mean, t- have you seen me on TV, Ivis? You got you got to look good. That's what it's all about. <laughs> You got to dress for the job you want, right? Is that is that how it goes? I'm enjoying it, man. I, I, I say I'm a little nervous sometimes, but I'm enjoying it. It's a good time. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm just glad that you're you're you've recovered from your near death experience and oh the yeah, illness, the illness that laid you out this past week. Yes, my eyes are are improved. I'm not sick anymore. It's it's dangerous out here in Arizona, man. Just well, diseases hey. and illnesses everywhere. Funny what can happen when you wash your face. <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm stupid that the show has just been ruined with that comment right there yeah, the show's been ruined for about 10 minutes That's but everyone's true. to that by now i think everyone who watches listens to the show now knows we're going to start rambling at the end and either you love it or yeah. you hate it and if you hate it too bad see that's what we should you should mention show like we, we should get like a show you know what? You know, when we get our studio, we can do like a show, you know, you know, like, you know how like Howard Stern had his show on E, we could do something like that. You know, when we're both in studio one day in the future. Mm, that could happen. You're going to have to move to New York, man. That's what you're going to have to do. I, I've, I've, I've mentally accepted that, but you know, there's just, there's just no jobs out there for me. You got to go get it, man. You got to come, <laughs> come get it. 
But where? Hey, I don't know, man. Sometimes you just have to jump off that cliff, man. Like I ate. That's what I did. That's what I did in uh, 2008. Quit my job, launched SBI, and the rest is history. That's what so, I did. I did the same thing, but I'm 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 content with staying in Arizona for a little longer. Content, content, man. You don't want to be stop. You're so, you're All right, we'll save the, we'll save this convo for for off air because you know whatever. You're being anyway. ridiculous. All right, yes. As Ivis said, uh, as I and Ivis said, two shows a week. Questions on Twitter hashtag SDI, ask the SBI show. And as always, Ivis and I appreciate nice reviews on iTunes. Yeah, yes, please, if you can, give us some reviews on iTunes. Uh, you know, I don't know how the ratings work on there, but we, we've done pretty well. I think people have been pretty happy, except for those people who hate these end-of-show rants. Uh, but again, as I've said, we're, we're going to try to get back into that routine of, of getting guests on, uh, especially as we get closer to the season. Uh, we'll definitely do that, so uh, you know, keep an eye out for that. And if you have some suggestions of people that you'd like to get on the show, or you'd like to hear as guests, let us know. <laughs> Be a little realistic. Don't say like Set Blatter or Lionel Messi, you know. But you know, if there's MLS players or coaches or officials or you know Americans abroad types, you know, just let us know who you'd like to, you know, who you'd like to hear on the show. We've had a bunch uh, of of guests uh, through the first hundred and eight nine episodes. So, uh, you know, if you you want to go back, always feel free to go back and listen to past episodes if you missed them because there's some great interviews there that you know you may have missed, but. If there's somebody you want to hear, somebody you want has a guest on our show, mm-hmm. definitely let us know. Well, especially celebrities, too. If you want us to get a celebrity, I mean, let us know about that also. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, maybe I'll get a UFC fighter to be on because uh, I was I did the UFC card. And uh, uh, I'm, in a, I'm a quote-unquote UFC writer now. I actually wrote – I covered the event for Sporting News. It was a pretty good time. And uh, there's actually a lot of overlap. There's a, there's a lot of former soccer players in the UFC. So. Really? Yeah, surprisingly. You know, I'm not a fan of UFC. I like I like yeah. traditional boxing a little more. I don't think more. that shocks anybody. <laughs> I like I like I like traditional boxing. You know, I I like yeah. that. Like Friday night fights on ESPN. Oh, does any, I mean, please please tell UFC me people who listen to the show watch really, Friday night fights. UFC is probably a little too violent for you. I think we I think that's not shocking to anybody. That's not true. I've, I've watched rated R movies and NC seventeen movies before by myself. <laughs> All right, there you go. Actually, actually, a funny we'll story from when I was now. a child. Uh, when Terminator came out on VHS, my dad let me watch it when I was five. And my mom came in and just, like, lost it. But that's how I was, that's how I was growing up, Ivis, with R-rated movies at five years old. <laughs> yeah, the, the hard life. The hard knock life. Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Gr- growing up on a cul-de-sac. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Coming straight out of the cul-de-sac. Yeah, yeah. Main, main yeah. What, what do you know about that? All right, well, Ivis... Get the rest of the show, man. You have a good week. Uh, I'll talk to you later this week. We'll have a show up. Uh, For everyone listening, Ivis and I will have a show up on Friday morning. So, Ivis, I'll talk to you later, man. Yes, sir. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening. Remember, hashtag AskTheSBISHow on Twitter. iTunes iTunes reviews as well. This is The SBI Show.